You may be seated. Thank you, Matt. I thank God for the music at First Baptist. I'll tell you, for a guy that's, you know, a little jittery when he comes up and preaches, because I don't do it a lot, my heart is energized, and it's calm, and it's at peace, and I think it's the Lord using the music. Um, and the three scoops of peanut butter I had right before I came out really helps. Phil gave me a big thing of peanut butter. You peel off foil, and you could just dip it in, and so... To, for the life of me, I can't imagine, Phil, that one time that you preached that message with a big jar of peanut butter and you did it while you were preaching. That was, that's a gift. Um, I'm so excited to be preaching about wisdom from Proverbs. I know a lot of you read Proverbs every day, so I know you're going to enjoy it. I was reading an introduction to Proverbs the other day, and it said, uh, it's the talk he has with his son. They're a series of short little talks, and I had to think of my sweet dad. He's going to be 90 next month, and uh, he was my best man in my wedding, not because I didn't have any other friends, just because he was my best man, and he still is. We still have talks, but I was about 10 years old, and I was on his, sitting on his bed, and he said, hey, listen, son. I think he was going to have the talk with me about life. And he goes, do, do you have any questions about life that you want me to answer? I, I'll answer anything, just any questions in your mind. And I sat there for a minute, and I said, yeah, I have one. What was Muhammad Ali's name before he changed it? And my dad just looked, and he said, Cassius Clay. And I said, that's so cool. And then he said, is there anything else? And I go, no, I'm good. And so I could picture my dad walking out of the bedroom just looking at my mom just kind of like we had that talk you know all is well and uh, that's what Solomon is doing with his son he's he's having those short talks with his son and I, I've started to think today how does the have you ever asked this question how does the world make decisions today because it's amazing that's why I put follow your heart and then I crossed out follow and I put guard your heart because the world follows their heart. You just got to go with your heart. You got to be true to your heart. You just be true to your heart. Even when they're having affairs, I, I, I have to just be true to my heart. What? Do we ask any more of the obvious questions? Like, is it true? Or is it honorable? Or does this make sense? Or is this right? But we live in a world that doesn't ask that question anymore. And it's such a bad idea to follow your heart for so many reasons. One of them, our hearts are sick. They're sick. You can't trust them. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I mean, who can? Why do I want to trust something that is desperately sick and I can't understand it? And it's evil and it's wicked. And Adam and Eve followed their heart when they decided to disobey God's clear command in the garden and plunged the human race into sin and separation from God. Moses followed his heart, and instead of speaking to the rock to get water, he struck the rock because he was angry and he disqualified himself from the promised land. And David followed his heart. And the Bible says when kings go out to war, he stayed in his palace and walked on his balcony 
and had an adulterous affair with another man's wife and lost so many things after that. Three sons, his kingdom. Some people say our hearts are like compasses, though. You, you know, they, they point us every time to the right direction. And so I was reading one of the blogs by John Bloom. He wrote a book called Don't Follow Your Heart. And he said, if our hearts are compasses, they're Jack Sparrow compasses. And it's so funny that people laugh on that, that they would know who Jack Sparrow is, because I don't. But so many people did, so I Googled it, and he's the Pirates of the Caribbean, and he had a compass, and it never pointed to true north. It just pointed to the things that he selfishly wanted, and I thought to myself, yeah, John Bloom's right. Our hearts are like Jack Sparrow compasses. They, they selfishly sometimes point to the things that we want. And one writer said, this is good. Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but they were designed to be led. You remember when Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me in John 10? Or Proverbs 3, some of your favorite verses. 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So when I was typing this, I wrote on every negative trait of my heart that I could think of. And I was so impressed that I could think of so many that I got depressed that I thought of so many. Uh, but these sick qualities can be yours if you take your eyes off Jesus Christ and you stop guarding your heart. Amen. Our hearts can be troubled. They can be divided. They can be fearful, bitter, jealous, foolish. They can be deceived proud, stubborn, insensitive, angry, lustful, perverse, selfish, unbelieving, anxious, idolatrous, and ignorant. Did any of those hit you like they hit me? You might be saying, I thought we got new hearts when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We do. We did. And you can if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you a new heart and full pardon. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, Moreover, I give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. What he's saying is, I will take the, the disobedient heart out, and I will put one that is receptive and pliable and has the spirit of God in it, so when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you get a new heart. But you also will struggle with sin. Sin will still be a problem in your life. It won't be a problem that can conquer you every time because now you can start saying no. Now you can say no to ungodliness or you couldn't before. But you have the spirit of God in your life, but it will always be a struggle until the day we see Jesus Christ. I was reading an article on our patio yesterday and I added it it was an article yesterday and it said don't follow your hearts but train your heart with God's wisdom and it will be much more dependable train your heart with God's wisdom so remember we're in this series called get smart and Phil did a wonderful job last week of talking about what true wisdom is uh, taking what we know from the word of God and living it out in our everyday lives I was thinking when Phil was talking last week, you can have a mountain of knowledge, okay? 
But if you don't live it out in your everyday lives, it still remains just a, a mountain of knowledge. For example, I could say, I can have a mountain of knowledge, all the verses that say I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church, right, and protect her. But if I don't do that in my everyday life, it's just a mountain of knowledge. Or I could have a mountain of knowledge in all the verses that say I'm to forgive my brother when he offends me and not to be bitter or angry or hateful or murderous. But then when I'm actually offended by my brother and I don't do that, I don't forgive him and love him, it's just a mountain of knowledge. And who wants just a mountain of knowledge, right? Paul says, knowledge puffeth up. But love edifies. So Solomon is probably on one knee, and he's probably talking to his son, and he's pouring his heart into his son with all the love to drill this point home to live a life of wisdom, of living out, my son, what you know. Just the word Solomon brings so many thoughts to your minds right now. Some of you are thinking loser. Some of you are thinking king. Some of you are thinking, eh, wouldn't let him go out with my daughter. Okay, 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? What a roller coaster of wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom and foolishness. But no one had more wisdom than Solomon. Second Chronicles 1, 8 to 10 God comes to Solomon at the beginning of his uh, reign and he says, ask anything and I will give it to you. Solomon said, I, I, I want wisdom. I want wisdom to lead your people. And God says, because you've done that, I'm going to give you everything. And man, did he give him everything. No one had more wisdom than Solomon. Unfortunately, no one squandered wisdom like Solomon. And if his life were a movie, he would win the wisdom lottery at the beginning. And at the end of the film, he'd be holding a cardboard sign that says, fool. So after 22 verses of teaching his son in chapter 4, you can turn there in Proverbs. He puts a highlighter on this next verse, verse 23 of chapter 4. A few of you came up to me after the first service, a few people, and said, that's my life verse. That's my favorite verse. I don't know if it was still their favorite verse after the sermon. But it says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Nowhere in Proverbs does it say, above all else, except here. Some of your Bibles say, uh, guard your hearts with all vigilance. And with all vigilance in the Hebrew means it's the most important thing you will ever do. In any Parenting 101 class, you learn that you have the responsibility, parents, loving your children and teaching them and protecting them and sometimes warning them of the dangers ahead. And that's what Solomon's doing. He's warning his son of the dangers ahead. That's why this is the first sermon I've ever preached that has a warning label, okay? Usually in my UPS truck, I have packages all day that say warning. The contents of this package may be harmful to your health. Well, this one says warning. The contents of this passage may encourage you to constantly and passionately fight against the things that you want to, that want to corrupt your own heart. 
and the lives of those you love. I'm not talking to only men this morning. So men, just kind of relax. I'm going to be, sometimes it will seem like I'm talking to only the men, but I'm talking to every living, breathing child of God who struggles with sin and wants to have a life pleasing to God. Does that cover most of you out there? Let's do it. And you know, this may seem like a very simple outline. Understanding the heart, guarding the castle, and reaping the consequences. But let's look at the first one, understanding the heart. He says, guard your heart. You know, when the Bible uses the word heart, it sometimes means that organ in your heart that, <laughs> you know, pumps and it's pumping. Not a lot, though. But at many times, over 600 times, it means the real you. Your thoughts and desires. The heart is the real you. Everything that makes you, you. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you can really say, what goes on in my heart determines what goes on in my life. And that definitely, that's definitely true with your physical heart, right? I was telling Jeff before the, we got ready, I got a whole slew of papers from the Cleveland Clinic two weeks ago where there's so many. They did so many tests trying to figure out my heart's working right and this valve and that valve. I didn't know all the things. I, did, I was telling the first service, I thought tricuspid was a tooth. It's also a valve, right? So you just don't know, but it is. If my physical heart is not working, it affects every part of my body. You know that if you have any sort of problems. And spiritually, when you think about this, it's the same thing. If my spiritual heart is not going well, it will affect every area of your life. My relationships with my wife, uh, with my children, with my family, with my friends, with my coworkers, especially with God. So guarding the heart will be the most important responsibility that the child of God has in his entire life. Yes. Some of your Bibles may say, Keep your heart, right? You have keep your heart with all vigilance. That's the second part. It's guarding the castle. There's a reason why I, I use the word castle because the word guard, it's a, it means to watch intently like a soldier guards a fort or a castle so no one can invade it, right? Our hearts are like castles which the enemy would love to invade and does invade sometimes and do great damage in our lives. That's why 1 Peter 5, 8, when he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeks about seeking whom he may devour. That doesn't mean that he literally wants to eat you. You know that. You know what it means. It means that Satan wants me to believe lies. He wants me to watch Lies. He wants me to read untruths. He wants me to have my mind filled with every ungodly philosophy that is contrary to the word of God. That's right. right? I mean, you even read Proverbs. Uh, 
At the end of chapter six, he says, can a man put fire in his bosom and not be burned? Can a man walk on hot coals and not be scorched? So is a man who goes into another man's wife. The world says, yes, a man can put, yes. We said, no, he can't. But Satan wants you to believe the lies. He wants you to believe the ungodly philosophy. And here's why. And this is so important if you write this down. He knows that if he can get to your mind, he can mess up your what? Your beliefs. And he messes up your beliefs. He can change your behavior. And if he changes your behavior, he can ruin your very lives. Just in case you were checking your email on that, let me say that again. Satan wants to get to your mind. And he does that, and he can mess up your beliefs, and then he can change your behavior. He's done that so many times, and then he can ruin your lives. I've seen it so many times with too many people. That's why Solomon says, watch over your hearts with all diligence, like a soldier guards the castle. That's why he says at the end of chapter 4, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. You don't have time, my son, to leave your post. Every moment should be guarding your heart from the things that want to absolutely destroy your lives. I can't remember where I read this, but it reminded me, it's such a simple line, but I couldn't get it out of my head yesterday. The writer said, Satan hates you more than you think. And then he said, don't forget that. And I started to think about that. That means Satan hates my wife more than I think, and he hates my family more than I think. You see, because if he hates me, you know, you bristle up a little bit, but when you say Satan hates your spouse more than you think, then you get protective. Wait a minute. Or your children, wait a minute. And then you think that's why he said guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And you say, well, I can't guard my heart. Isn't it God's job to guard my heart? Yes and no, and this is what I mean. A farmer says only God can cause a crop to grow, right? That makes sense. But the farmer has to plow, and he has the responsibility to plant, or he will not have a what? A crop or a harvest. Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, A lazy farmer doesn't plow when he should, and so at the harvest time, he has no crop. And so it's just like the farmer, child of God. If we don't guard our hearts, then Satan will have footholds in our lives. I have a note here. It's our responsibility to guard the entryways of our lives. It's our responsibility to do that. Solomon says, you constantly guard your heart. 
And we do it at everything. I mean, we, we do it with our family. We, we, we have Simply Safe. I have a sign in my front yard. We have locks on the doors. We have all that. But sometimes I think we let up a little bit on guarding our hearts. I don't know if it's that maybe I just think, yeah, the castle's fine. Haven't, I got binoculars. It looks fine. Yeah, it hasn't been attacked in a long time, so it's just fine. And so we let our guards down. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And some of your Bibles say, gird up your minds for action. It's like a soldier. Soldiers don't always wear armor. You realize that. They, you know, they're, but then when they're called to battle, they tuck everything in and they strap their belt on and they put their sword in, they click their helmet and they fight because this is war. And Peter says, listen, you need to do that with your minds. You can't have a bunch of loose ends flying around because that's where Satan is gonna attack us the most. Ephesians 4 says, renewed in the spirit of your minds. I added this yesterday. It's Psalm 119.37. It says, turn my eyes from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So dads and moms, if your hearts are filled with wrong things, it just makes sense that it will dangerously, and this is sad, but it will possibly eternally affect those around you and those younger than me if you let the world mold you and if you let the world mold your mind with unrighteous behavior pretty soon God and God's word will become very distant to you but let me encourage you I need to encourage you if you fill your lives with righteousness you fill your lives with this book. You fill your lives with scripture and the principle of scripture. You will affect your family now and for all eternity. Your righteous life. That's why he said in Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but he says his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. So the psalmist is not saying stay away from ungodly people. Because we can't stay away from ungodly people. Remember Jesus said in John 17, Father, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but you just keep them, all right? Keep them from the evil one. And then he goes on to say this. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And he says that bears fruit in its season and his leaf shall not wither and whatever he does will prosper. That's for the godly man or woman that says, I, I, I can't stay away from ungodly people, okay? Because number one, by the grace of God, I was one of those who didn't know the Lord and God saved my life, but I can sure stay away from ungodly influence and ungodly thinking and ungodly philosophy and ungodly counsel. 
Jesus knew how important this was to guard our hearts. And when the Pharisees were saying, it's so important what you put in your mouth, he said in Mark chapter 7, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And he says, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So no matter what I tell you about my close walk with God, the real truth about my heart is seen in what I say and what I think and in what I do. No matter what I tell you, just look at what comes out of my mouth and look at my acts and my attitudes and my actions, not my what I'm saying I am. And I have a note here. <laughs> so if I come up to you and say something off color and say, I'm sorry, I have no idea where that came from. You have my permission to say, I do. I do. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I guess the question I asked myself when I was doing this is, what am I feeding my heart? What am I watching? What programs am I listening to on the radio or podcasts or what websites am I listening to or um, what advice am I getting from people about the most important things of life and what am I thinking uh, most of the time? What occupies my, what is it, 10,000 thoughts a day, you know, three, over 300,000 in a year, over 23 million thoughts you'll have in a lifetime? What's a company, you know, what's occupying most of those for you? One pastor was saying, held up his phone, and he said, these little LCD screens are like IVs into our hearts. And he says, parents, you better make sure you know what's going into our little one's hearts. And I would agree, and I would just add, and grandparents, and uncles, and aunts. We need to take it very seriously what's being fed into our hearts. Think about this, you're at a park and your little children are going to the drinking fountain and they're getting a drink. And a park attendant comes up and he says, excuse me, ma'am, uh, we, uh, we just had a report this morning that the water system in the park, uh, had, some poison was found in it. Your next response there, wouldn't it be ridiculous if you said how much poison? Right? One writer said, what we see and hear determines what we think. And what we think determines how we feel. And how we feel ultimately determines what we do. So it's important to guard your hearts, for from it flow the outsprings of life. Well, ask yourself, what are the things I'm feeding my heart? Can I give you something that may help you feed your heart every single day? That's a good thing? Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? 
By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And then this is verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist said, feed your heart the word of God. You know, we want to feed our hearts a lot of things, but God says, you know what? If you feed, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. How many, I don't want to sin against God. Then feed your heart the word of God. Then feed your heart the word of God every single day. Can you imagine how much strength we would have in our spiritual life, in the battle, if we read God's word and we applied God's word doesn't have to be 50 chapters. It can just be read God's word and then think about how it applies to your life all day. And thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against God. Psalm 37, 31 says, the law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. Randy Alcorn wrote a great book. You probably read it already. It's called The Purity Principle. I've read this so many times. It's so challenging. And it's not only for men. It's for every child of God who struggles with sin and wants to love the Lord Jesus Christ and be a man or woman of God. I'm telling you, it's like 70 pages. But it's so challenging. He says this. If we, if we don't constantly stay in the word of God, it's like giving the enemy ammunition at the gate. Did you hear that? It's like saying, you shall not pass here. And then giving the enemy your sword. That's what happens when we don't guard our heart. When I had my heart attack eight years ago, it's been eight years. I was 52 years old. And when I asked the doctor as I was being released, I said, hey, listen, now that my arteries are clear, will it be to like I'm 104 Till I'll have this problem again? Because I kind of thought it was like a roto-rooter. You know what I mean? Like all the plumbing is now. And he laughed and he said, no, number one, your arteries are still blocked. You know, we just grabbed the ones that we could get to. And the first thing I thought was, why didn't you get the other ones? You know what I mean? Like, is there something I need to sign for you to do that? But he said, no, we, we, we just got a few. And you have heart disease, and so your arteries are not clear. And what you eat now and how you exercise, exercise will affect your life from here on out. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. But I have a feeling I knew before I asked that question what the answer would be. I just wanted the easy way out. Right? I told the first service. I just wanted him to say, oh, they're so clear. You could eat at Long John Silver's every day till you're 104. And you would be totally fine. But he didn't. And I'm glad he told me the truth. I could have left the hospital and ignored all of his advice. And I guess you could leave the church this morning and ignore all God's instruction from his word. That leads us to our next point, the last one, reaping the consequences. Yeah, there's always consequences in our actions, right? Some are good, some are not so good. Look what he says in verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. And then he says, for from it flow the springs of life. Or the NLT, the New Living Translation says, it determines the course of your life. And it doesn't get much clearer than that. 
What we plant in our hearts will be lived out in our lives. You know that biblically and you know that practically. Because if you've walked with the Lord for more than a day, you know that sin could knock us down and that we reap what we sow. Look at what Paul said in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. If you ever see the word do not be deceived in the Bible, that means there's a possibility that we can be deceived, right? And Paul says, listen, don't be deceived. Don't let people tell you you can put coals in your in your coat and not be burned, or you can walk on fire. You can't do any of that. Don't be deceived. You will reap what you sow. You will suffer if you plant unrighteousness, and you will be blessed if you uh, sow righteousness, right? I heard a preacher uh, say long ago, I couldn't think of who he was. He said, a good gardener not only tends to the plants, but he also pulls the weeds. So what are you planning in that delicate mind of yours or what are you planning in those delicate minds of those who you are responsible for until they can make their own judgments and decisions? And here's a question I had to ask. When is the last time you did some serious weeding? You say, I'm not sure where the weeds are. Yeah, I understand, but I know someone, and you do too, who understands where the weeds are, and he can help you with that. Look at Psalm 139. I told the first service, I pray this a lot, but not nearly with the sorrow and the broken heart of repentance that I should. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I find it hard to believe God wouldn't answer a prayer like that from a broken-hearted child of God. Do you? Let me just give you a few practical solutions I wrote down real quick. Be honest. Don't be afraid to ask yourself or maybe ask your spouse this question. What do you see in me that might give an indication that I am letting my guard down. That's going to take humility, husbands and wives. Paul said, you were running a good race in Galatians 5. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Paul's like, who hindered you, Galatians? So ask your spouse, hey, what do you see in me that uh, gives an indication that I'm letting my guard down? And can I tell you something? Don't choose that time to become a defense attorney, okay? Here's what I mean, husbands. If your wife says, okay, listen, I, if you ask me, you ask me, okay? And with all the love of my heart, it's A, B, C, D, and E. And you go, okay, sit down. Your Honor, I'd like to rebut uh, some of that. Uh, first of all, right? That's not humility. You say, okay, all right, how can we solve these? What can I do? Can you help me? Can we get help? 
be aggressive. This is a battle you absolutely must win. I know the Bible says the battle belongs to the Lord. It says that many times. But you're the soldier that God has enlisted to wage this war. So don't go AWOL now. The battle belongs to the Lord, and you're one of his soldiers. 2 Corinthians 10.5, that really helps me to be aggressive. It says, and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought I have, I'm like, was that obedient to Christ? Take, take, don't have all kinds of thoughts, all the 10,000 thoughts you're going to think in one day, all flying around. But take the time to say, was that pleasing to Christ? Was that pleasing to Christ? And then Philippians 4.8, I love this. If you're going to memorize one verse this year that could change your life, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, okay, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, right, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence or anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Can you imagine all the 23 million thoughts in a lifetime if you had that verse memorized and you just threw it up to God and says, was that a right thought? Was that a, was that a lovely thought that would match your loveliness? Was that a commendable thought? Would that have been a pleasing thought to you, God? Can you imagine our thought life would be like that? I think that's what Solomon means when he says, guard your heart with all vigilance. Well, you remember when I said maybe a few minutes ago, when's the last time you did some serious weeding? About six months ago, my wife, they have this euchre group, and they play euchre, and they love euchre, and one night she said, oh, you might as well not stay up because we're going to play a lot of euchre. It ended up, I think, being a euchre slumber party. Um, and I was trying to process at that time some painful news that I heard about a, a, a great Christian leader that had a big impact in my life, an apologist that I had read his books and listened to his podcast. And, and he had died. And then afterwards, so much immorality came out after that. And I know you're not supposed to hold these men and keep your eyes on them you're supposed to keep your eyes on Christ and I really think I did I really think my eyes were on Christ but I couldn't stop thinking of all the damage that his fall would do to the kingdom of God and I know what you're saying God's in control I know God's sovereign I know the gates of hell will not prevail against the church I know that God can overrule just one man but humanly speaking it just broke my heart 40 years of ministry, over 30 books, thousands of sermons to university students, and a podcast that was listened to people all over the world, all down the tubes. And as I got ready for bed, I put one of his sermons on, and I sat in a chair in our bedroom, and I just wept. I just sat there and wept. I wept for his wife. I wept for his kids. I wept for his ministry and all the workers. I wept for the people that he hurt. 
just the disappointment I felt for a man that let the devil have such a stronghold in his life. And as I sat there, I really wasn't listening to his sermon anymore. But I was asking God to, to burn in my heart a watchfulness. Do you understand what I'm saying? A watchfulness, a, like a, a godly fear or a constant reminder of the incredible devastation that would await my life if I stopped guarding my heart for one second. I hope that's a, a challenge to you this morning. Above all else, my brother in Christ, that I know your desire is to be a man of God who leads your family. Above all else, the woman in here who wants to be a godly woman, who wants her children to rise up and call her blessed, and who wants to be a prayer warrior, and who wants to be like Jesus Christ. Above all else, you young person, you're not even 20 yet, and you're, you're, your mind is being formed, and it's trying to be pushed into the world's mold, but you want to please Christ, and you want to be a young person that loves Jesus Christ and lives a life pleasing. Above all else, guard your heart, for it will determine the absolute course of your life. Let's all stand. And as you stand, if you don't know Christ online or if you don't know Christ in this room, the greatest thing you can do this morning is to get a new heart. And when you call upon the name of the Lord and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you admit to God that you're a sinner and you trust Christ as your Savior, the Bible says he will forgive you, he will pardon you, he will cleanse you, he will give you a home in heaven and he will give you a new heart. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Let's pray. What a great promise, Father, that somebody could just call on the name of the Lord and turn from their sin this morning and you will give them full forgiveness and your presence and a new heart that wants to follow you. God, I thank you for those in here that love you. I pray, God, that they would be reminded this morning that Satan hates them so much, but you love them so much. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we're children of God. And we're victors in Jesus Christ. And we win. And so I pray that with everything in us, we would guard our hearts, knowing that you'll give us the strength, you'll give us the power, you'll guide us in that. It will give you all the praise in Christ's precious name. Amen. God bless you. You have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply, and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. 
If you made a spiritual decision today or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. Finally, you can check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us. We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.